sick of the fatigue and fog, fed up with the unpredictable flares, hangry from the super restrictive diets. Hello, and welcome to the Crunchy Allergist Podcast, a podcast empowering those who, like me, appreciate both a naturally minded and scientifically grounded approach to health and healing. Hi, I'm your host, Dr. Kara Wada, quadruple board certified pediatric and adult allergy immunology and lifestyle medicine physician, Sjogren's patient, and life coach. My recipe for success combines anti-inflammatory lifestyle, trusting therapeutic relationships, modern medicine, and mindset to harness our body's ability to heal. Now, although I might be a physician, I'm not your physician, and this podcast is for educational purposes only. Welcome, everyone, back to the Crunchy Allergist podcast. I am so excited to welcome our special guest this week. Dr. Afalabi Brown is a triple board certified sleep medicine physician who is passionate about helping people discover the gift of sleep as a superpower. Dr. Brown is a speaker, an educator, a writer, and the founder of Restful Sleep MD, where she helps busy professional women and their children prioritize sleep, not only to achieve their optimal health, but also thrive and live to their fullest potential. As a physician in practice for over a decade, a mom of two, she fully understands the impact of sleep deprivation on our mental, physical, and emotional health. As a result of this, she has dedicated her career to helping professional women be their best selves. She does this through speaking, coaching, courses, and programs focused on educating and empowering busy professional women to make sleep a priority as a critical pillar of their health. She's a member of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, the American Academy of Pediatrics, and the American Thoracic Society. She's also a medical advisory board member of Baby Center, as well as the expert advisory board of Project Sleep. She's a frequent speaker at various conferences, summits, workshops, and association meetings, both nationally and internationally. And I am so excited because as we were chatting before we hit record, as a mom of three with Sjogren's and a teething baby and a four-year-old who won't sleep, like, I think this is a match made in heaven. I am so glad you were here and joining us today. And I have loved following your work and have shared your resources with our crunchy allergist email list too. So thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Brown. And I would just love to hear a little bit about your story. How did you find this passion of yours? Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I'm just, I'm such a fan of your work too. And I saw your email because I hopped right onto your email. And I'm like, yay. <laughs> so thank you for doing that and helping me get the word out there and all that. So yeah, how did I land here? I think it, it was just me struggling mm-hmm. and really finding that I didn't have to stay in a place of helplessness to my sleep. Like I cannot be a victim of sleep deprivation. And so being able to really go through that and come out on the other end to say, that feels awful. Imagine thousands and millions of women like me trying to just be their best selves and struggle. So that really was what spurred me on. 
And also, really, when it came to restful sleep MD, it started from me just seeing patients in my clinic. I'm a pediatric sleep specialist as well. So I am going through those patients snoring or asthma or allergies or reflux interrupting their sleep. And then the moms are like, yeah, I don't even know how I got here. I don't know how I drove here. I'm so exhausted. Every time he wakes up coughing, I'm not sleeping or runs for another hug or whatever. That got me going. Well, of course, if the kids are not sleeping, no wonder the moms are not sleeping too. And with Restful Sleep MD, my focus is on women and their children because they are, they could be sleep disrupted as cute as they can be. (laughs) They're so intertwined. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then the outcomes of the day, right? It's a lot of it. We talk about the fact that you're asleep for a third of your life third of your life so there's a reason that has not changed even with culture of course with society and things we're slowly and surely trying to shorten that but we need it and so we need to know how to do it well to make it work the best for us so that the remaining two-third is just out of this world a third of our lives I don't there's nothing else that we really do yeah longer No, not continuously. No, because if you think about it, eight hours in a 24-hour period. Of course, for children, it's much more than over time. And and there's a reason why they sleep so much, because their brains are growing. It's so vital to development, to learning, to their mood, to their immune system, emotion regulation, adaptability, all those things. And they're learning all those skills, but they need sleep to help. And then, of course, with time, we need less, but we still need it and we need good quality sleep. Yeah, we were talking a couple of weeks ago with author Donna Jackson Nakazawa just about mm-hmm. how rapidly our brains do develop and evolve over the course of childhood. And what role does sleep then have in, in our health? If you could talk a little bit more about that, what are, what's its purpose? Yeah, absolutely. When I, one thing I say is sleep is not just a cure for sleepiness. It does cure sleepiness. <laughs> but beyond that, it has so many functions, even when you start from right from the top all the way down. So there's a system that was discovered recently, which is called the glymphatic system. So G lymphatic yes. system. Yes. It was just incredible. This is pretty recently, right? Less than 10 years ago. And so similar to the lymphatic system, which helps, of course, read of waste products and things, our brain accumulates waste products. And so sleep is when that system really kicks in to essentially wash off those deposits. And studies have shown some of those deposits include things like amyloid beta, which is one of the things that's been found to be associated with Alzheimer's and things like that. So even from that alone to start. And then we talk about our physical health, our cardiovascular health, hormone regulation really is impacted by our sleep, our metabolism as well. One of the things that we know is even our immune system is regulated in sleep, right? So Interestingly, of course, we're in COVID pandemic and we talk about like vaccine response is tied with sleep. And they've done studies where they've compared people who had suboptimal sleep with those who had the right amount of sleep. 
and looking at their immune system and looking at how they responded to vaccine. The vaccine response for those who were sleep deprived was as low as 50%. Yeah. Or even your susceptibility to colds, to the common cold, where they've graciously given people rhinovirus and compared those who had good sleep with those that didn't. And then there are other things, like for me, one of the things for children, right, learning a lot of Symptoms we see with sleep deprivation is so similar to ADHD. And even we as parents, we experience that where you just feel like your attention is so divided or your focus is off or you feel like you're living in a fog, all those things. Yeah, I know, right? It's like, squirrel, squirrel. <laughs> there actually yeah. may be some out here, but I know. I always say we are exactly like that two year old in the grocery store who is throwing the biggest tantrum because they cannot have a lollipop and all it turns out is because they didn't nap that's how we feel except hopefully we're not throwing ourselves on the floor in the grocery store because your mood is also affected by sleep and we know that mental health is at an all-time high right a lot of anxiety depression unfortunately suicidality as well so emotion regulation is also impacted by our sleep so literally from top to bottom in, at the end of the day is impacted by sleep I think I, I was never one growing up through school to try to pull an all-nighter. It just wasn't my jam. That was my sister, actually. But what I realized during, in particular, in medical training as a medical student and then as a resident taking 24, 30-hour call, I felt like I was physically ill those days after, yeah. felt hung over, exhausted, my body hurt. And I would end up in, in thinking back to my sister too, like we would get either canker sores or end up with a, a colder mm. flu in those days or weeks after pulling an all-nighter for whatever the reason, whether it was medical training or a college exam. That is so true. It's so tightly connected. Yeah. It is. And, and decision-making as well. Unfortunately, medical errors, road traffic accidents, your response time is off, right? You just feel slow. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so unfortunately, there's increased risk of that medical errors, increased risk of road traffic accidents and things like that, even with sleep. And as well as, like you said, the susceptibility to common viruses, which you typically should would have been able to ride through. Yeah. And one of the things I worry about, or I try, I work on my worrying, but viral infections we know are a big cause for flare-ups of autoimmune conditions and possibly increased susceptibility. And so your ability to fight those off is really critical for, I think more than just the obvious of avoiding the runny, stuffy nose, sinus infection, asthma exacerbation, those sorts of things that we may see related to them as well. So as, as a busy professional mom of three young kids, what kind of advice would you give to me or our listeners that fall into that boat too? I think I would start with first understanding that this is not something that we can continue to get away with. Like we have to prioritize sleep for our kids. We do it for our kids. At least we try then for ourselves, we fall off the bandwagon, but we do matter. <laughs> and honestly, I feel like there have been times when I have not slept and I know how I respond to the kids. They don't change. They do, they're just themselves. And 
I've seen my response after a night where I didn't get enough sleep versus a night where it's the same. It's the same thing they're doing. They're not whatever. The, the kitchen's a mess or whatever. It's the same. But it's like, <laughs> when after a good trying night to of get sleep, out the door. Exactly. Or trying get to get in the car. With a bloodshed. You know what I mean? Have to do the same thing. It's, it may sound cliche, but we cannot. You cannot pour out of an empty cup. So you have to make sure your cup is filled too. And also the best way you can do that is to strategize and make sure you prioritize their sleep because when they're sleeping, you can sleep. And if you have, depending on what age your children are, not everybody has to sleep, train their children. Some children are just like good sleepers. They just show up and they are like sleeping well and that's no problem. Most kids may need a little bit of guidance. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't either. I didn't, but some people are. But most kids need a little bit of guidance and really teaching them as early as possible. Honestly, I always say there's no, you can't, it's not too late. It's not too early. Of course, within the first few months of life, no, don't bother trying to. They just don't have that like object permanent. They don't, they can't, and they're really sleeping around around the clock at that time. But as they get a little bit older, you want to start to promote sleep independence. And studies have shown that if you are able to incorporate and essentially sleep train or help them gain that those skills from when they're young, it really helps them on the long run. And for kids who maybe they, it was just like, like lock up the drawer when they're young, sometimes those sleep issues do persist. So just try to invest in that time. It may be uncomfortable, but you're teaching them strategies that would help them on the long run. The same way if we're teaching our kids or they're learning how to walk, right? Your one-year-old or nine-month-old is walking. If they trip, you're not going to be like, you're never walking again. I don't want you to hurt yourself. No, you're going to be like, okay, you get up. We'll do it again. So this, I think that's the same approach that we have to take where our sleep, where our children's sleep is concerned. And it may be, you may have had a bad night. Okay, we'll try again tomorrow. And eventually, usually they say it takes 21 days for a habit to set in. It may not, it doesn't even have to be up to 21 days actually for our kids when it comes to helping them to promote that sleep independence. So when you kind of look at it from that, like I am teaching you skills that's really going to go with you to help you with your learning, to help you with your growth, your development, your mood. That's let's go, let's do it. (laughs) What are like the conditions that, that optimize sleep? So various things. I think one, it depends on what stage or age or phase of life you're in. Mm -hmm. Things that I feel help really well for kids and also for ourselves is having a routine Mm -hmm. and consistency. I think that is so key. The reason why is, right, we have that circadian rhythm, which Mm -hmm. literally is aligned to the environment. It's aligned to our light and dark cues. And light is one of the strongest cues of our circadian rhythm. So when you're able to, you're either your wake up time to some sort, you're essentially doing the same. You're anchoring your circadian rhythm. So your body is not just free flowing, wondering when we're going to go to bed, when we're going to get up and really trying to keep that schedule as consistent as possible. I think that is one thing. And then the other thing is having a routine because one for our kids, again, it's cueing their bodies that it's time for bed. So when we're done with dinner and we have a little bit of quiet time and we're putting away the devices and then we're going upstairs to have that bath, that warm bath, which has two things, two benefits, wow. it's helping with just cleaning the grime and dirt, especially in the summer. 
And two, it's dropping their core body temperature and our core body temperature drops for us to fall asleep. So you get that benefit. Plus it's calming and relaxing. So having that routine, again, is cueing them for sleep. And then also making sure that in that room environment, that bedroom is dark because again, that light response, absence of light is what our brains respond to by then producing melatonin which is the sleep hormone or the hormone of darkness so essentially you're setting the stage with a really nice routine a dark room a quiet room if you if your child doesn't like quiet then having a white noise machine is good and also making sure that room is also especially in the winter sometimes we want to keep them really nice and bundled but when they get sweaty that actually impacts the sleep quality and actually makes it harder for them to stay asleep so those are just some things I think is really in terms of setting the stage for promoting good sleep and what a, a beautiful experience to turn that into like we Admittedly, we have not done great with the nightly bath in our house for quite some time, but we have been able to incorporate a little story time and, and I get the most conversations with, especially my four-year-old at bedtime. Sometimes I have no idea what she's referring to. (laughs) Like it's hard to follow, but really seeing how how cool these little humans are. I know. I love that. And you know what? Uh-huh. That's, so when I usually talk about the components of a bedtime routine, there usually I think about three or four. I'll see depending on how many I remember. One I would say is, of course, nutrition. So usually at dinner or sometimes if dinner is earlier, you could do a little bit of a snack. The second is hygiene. And the hygiene is brushing teeth, using the bathroom. If you incorporate a bath or not, whatever, if it's every other day or two days, whatever, that's fine. So that's hygiene. The third is bonding, that emotional connection. And so how does that show up? It may show up in maybe singing a song, reading a book, or just cuddling with them. And I feel as for me as a mom, it's also so therapeutic because it's usually the time when I finally also... (laughs) get to slow down exactly and just hearing them go because they love you and they're at that time their guard is down as well so you can learn so much and it just really does promote that emotional health for them at bedtime so I love that you mentioned that the thing that I'm also curious about and this is switching gears a little bit but as an allergist I prescribe a lot of medications that I know can affect or impact sleep, in particular antihistamines. As allergists, we actually hate diphenhydramine, which is Benadryl, which is a very common over-the-counter sleep aid. It's what's in Unisom. And I'm curious what your take is on some of these easily obtained, generally relatively safe substances that are out there that can promote sleep. Yeah, great question. So one of the things I usually would say is that you cannot supplement or sleep aid yourself to restful sleep. But for every situation, we have to consider. So I'll give you an example. I had a client whose child was just like always waking up. We couldn't figure it out. They had a phenomenal bedtime routine. They did everything, whatever. They no devices, all that. But the child was just always waking up and it was around like one or two years old. So really couldn't really had allergies. I were like, okay, is this, is he very sniffly? Is he sneezing at night? Does he have a post-nasal drip? 
it turned out he had pretty significant eczema and that was the sleep disruptor yeah. so, and so the way we tested it I think she was like oh yeah he was I thought he was a bit more itchy and I gave some Benadryl and of course he slept well and then we're like okay yeah of course it's sedating but beyond that I'm like wait he does have allergies does he have eggs and she, yeah and he's scratching himself so mm-hmm. then they were able to really get him on a very rigorous like skincare regimen and guess who slept through the night now so there are situations where if you do need medication for like you said if you need a drying agent because you have this nasal this drip that's bothersome or something of that sort then then that's fine but if the indication is we're using it for sleep I've seen it in some situations work in the interim, but then on the long term, most of the time, you really start to lose the benefit. So always, again, coming back to why, I think it for some kids who, again, feel so, so congested, really giving them to help them to be comfortable briefly for a very short period of time is fine, but really making sure that it doesn't become this habitual thing that we're reaching out for. Because I've seen that paradoxical effect as well, where... You're like, who is this? Yes. I recall it's been several years now, but it was a post from a fellow mom who was contemplating using a little Benadryl for a flight. Not going to pass judgment, but there was discussion that there are some folks that when they take in particular diphenhydramine or Benadryl, they will have this opposite reaction where they not are not sleepy but they instead are bouncing off the walls. And I think it just, it's a good example of just saying that every, although we are all human and we all mm-hmm. function relatively similarly, there are very, there are unique aspects to each of us. And when we take or use things that we may respond differently than, yep. than others. Absolutely. And to just always proceed with caution. <laughs> no, that. It's the nail on the head. Exactly. So I am excited to make sure that folks have your information. We're going to make sure that Restful Sleep MD and all of your links are in our show notes. I'm curious if you have any other kind of parting advice or thoughts or wisdom you would love to share with our crunchy allergist community. Yeah, I thank you so much for having me. This has really been such a thrill. I think one of the things I would say is really, no matter where you are on your sleep journey, I want you to know that it can get better. Really, it comes from a place of just setting that intention to prioritize sleep and understand why you're doing that. So whatever that looks like for you, if you're finding out you're a bit more, you feel more impatient, you're tired of living in that fog or you're noticing that your your kid is a bit more cranky because they're not getting enough sleep. So trying to set, attach that goal of, okay, I want to prioritize sleep with an outcome that you want. I want to be a better version of myself. And then just start from where you are. And where you are may be that, you know what, I have people bombarding me with emails and texts and phone calls at 10.30 p.m. So today, after 10 p.m., I'm going to make myself unreachable except for the people on my VIP list, meaning my my family, my loved ones. I'm going to set those boundaries. And that may be all you need to do. That's a good place to start. And then you just work from there. That that is actually one of the, my New Year's resolutions that I've stuck with. Mm -hmm. I had to put, because I do take call and 
Thankfully, we don't get called a whole ton in the middle of the night, but I have our fellows on the VIP list. My parents, of course, but otherwise you're going to get that little automated response of she has do not disturb on. I do need to do better though. I had moved my power charging cord away from my nightstand for a while. It somehow made it. Made it, it made it way back. It's well, amazing it's how they grow legs. I don't. <laughs> they do. They do. They do grow legs. <laughs> that is my intention. I think after this discussion is because I know it, it's sometimes it is one of those things that it's okay. We kind of, in some ways, know what we need to do. Some of it, yeah. absolutely, having expert guidance can be incredibly helpful when you hit, especially when you hit those sticking points, but Mm. it also can be so helpful just to have that accountability, that Mm. reassuring coach-like figure to say, okay, let's get you back. Mm. Let's, let's empower you to do this. That is so amazing that you're providing like that education and that empowerment and something that is so incredibly critical to our health and healing. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, and that's my mission really to help because it's like you said, it's not so much of not knowing. We all know, we all know we need to eat our vegetables. We need to exercise. We need to sleep. Like how does that happen in this life that I have with two kids and all the other things, my obligations in that sense, my, all my dreams, my answer, how do I fit it all in? And so I think that's where that guidance is helpful. Yeah. Thank you so much, Dr. Brown. I very Mm -hmm. much appreciate you joining us and I want to remind everyone to go follow Dr. Brown now over on Instagram at Restful Sleep MD. And we also will link to her website and Instagram and everything over on the show notes as well. I so appreciate your time, your expertise, and I look forward to talking again very soon. Yay. Thank you. If you have found this information helpful and empowering, I would strongly encourage you to hop over to www.crunchyallergist.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter where we dive into all things allergy, autoimmunity, and anti-inflammatory living. Thanks so much for tuning in. I look forward to talking again next week.